book of Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter number 5. And don't forget, do what? Did I say the New Testament? The Old Testament. In the beginning, amen, Miss Marzella, back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 5. And uh, don't forget also on December the 19th, on the evening service from 6 to 7, will be uh, bring your gift to Jesus. Uh, you can read a Bible verse, you can read a poem, you can sing a song, anything that would honor the Lord. Uh, we want to open that up to you. So uh, we'll have a sign-up sheet. Do we have a sign-up sheet already? Uh, we'll get a sign-up sheet in the back on the table. We'd like for you to write down your name and what you're going to bring to Jesus. And uh, if, you, if your gift is baking, if you want to bake Jesus a pie or a cake, you can do that. Just give that to me, and I'll make sure the Lord gets it. Amen. And um, so uh, he likes key lime pie, pound cake, whipped cream, strawberries. Um, and by the way, Brother Red made my wife a, a panucci cake. And it's, huh? That's what I said, panucci. And it's delicious. So thank God for that. The Lord likes those too. Amen. And so what a blessing that is. Um, everybody good tonight? I'm just excited to be here. I mean, you got your Bible open to Genesis chapter number 5. And I want to invite you to stand with me this evening as we reverence the reading of God's Word. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 21. Genesis chapter number 5 and verse number 21. And the title of the message this evening is Eschatology According to Enoch. The Bible says in verse 21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together this evening. And God, we do rejoice that we have peace, that you do have everything under control, that you do have the whole world in your hands God, this evening we thank you for the good day that we've had in your house. We thank you for blessing us. Thank you for meeting with us. And God, thank you for bringing us back together again. God, thank you for all the ministry and all the activities and fellowship that we have had, God, this uh, fall and winter, God. And as we move now into the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, God, we want to remember tonight, we confess that the reason for this season is Jesus Christ. God, He is our life. God, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And God, that is true for us. God, now I ask that you would cleanse me of my sin, empty me of myself. God, fill me with your spirit. God, put your words in my mouth and your thoughts in my mind. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. 
I want to talk to you about some eschatology here in the end times. And eschatology is the study of the end times. And we see here a very, very uh, perfect picture of something that's going to happen in the future, even today, that's still in our future as the church. We see the Old Testament is full of pictures and shadows and types of things to come. And you and I do have to remember that the types and the shadows, they're not always a perfect example or a perfect picture, but they do give us some insight. Now, the New Testament gives clarity to the Old Testament. Amen. Aren't you glad that you live on this side of the cross? I mean, let me say that again. Aren't you glad that you live on this side of the cross? If you've ever given a careful reading of the Old Testament, you'll shout and swing from the chandeliers that you don't live on the front side of the cross. I was just reading the other day where if a son or a daughter was disrespectful to the mother or the father, they would take that stubborn child before the elders of Israel and the parents would be to be the first ones to kill their own child with a stone for being a rebel against their mother and father. Teenagers, aren't you glad you live on this side of the cross? I was reading stories where if someone committed the act of homosexuality, you were to take them out and stone them to death with stones. I mean, thank God we live on this side of the cross. I was reading just the other day where God would send Israel in and they would kill all the men. They'd kill all the women. They'd kill all the teenagers and all the babies uh, in the land. Aren't you glad that we live on this side of the cross? Somebody said, what makes the difference? Why is God able to be gracious and merciful to the world now? Simply because Jesus Christ is the propitiation uh, for our sins. Aren't you glad that when Jesus died upon the cross, the wrath of God was satisfied, the judgment of God was poured out upon Jesus Christ, and we live in the dispensation of grace. Aren't Aren't you glad that it rains on the just and the unjust? Somebody said one time, well, why was God so severe and so quick to judge men for their sins in the Old Testament? And why is He more patient and long-suffering to judge men for their sins in the New Testament? Here's what the New Testament says, for it's appointed once for man to die, and after that, the judgment, brethren, and Sister, evil people are not getting away with sin. They're simply storing up for themselves wrath for the day they die. I'm just trying to get you excited that you live on this side of the cross and you're under God's grace and under God's mercy. We see here back to the text in the Old Testament, we see a man by the name of Enoch. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God. And there's some things I want to point out about the life and testimony of Enoch. And I want to make some application to the church today. I'll give it to you very briefly. 
And I pray they be an encouragement to you. I want you to see, first of all, he walked with God in a wicked world. Enoch walked with God in a wicked world. Look what your Bible says in verse number 22. It says, And Enoch walked with God. Then look with me again, if you will, in verse number 24. And Enoch walked with God. Sin had entered the world through Adam. And when sin came into the world, death passed upon all men. We see that when sin came into the world, Adam and Eve, they hid from God. They lied. They covered themselves. They were ashamed. When God confronted Adam in his sin, he did not take responsibility for his sin. He said, the woman that you made for me, she caused me to sin. And that's what sin makes us do. Sin makes us to deny our part. Sin makes us hide from God. Sin makes us lie to God. Uh, God goes to Eve and said, Eve, what have you done? Eve didn't take responsibility. She said, you know that devil that you made? He's the one that made me do it. See, sin makes us pass responsibility. Then Adam and Eve, they had a son named Abel and another son named Cain. And we see here when sin came, jealousy came. And Cain was jealous that God had accepted Abel's sacrifice. We see that when sin came in, man began to scheme against his brother. And Abel and Cain met in the field and Cain slew his brother Abel. We see that death came because of sin. And men began to live selfish lives. They began to live life independent from God. But there was a man by the name of Enoch, and Enoch had a relationship with God. Aren't you glad tonight that you can have a relationship with God while you're living on planet Earth? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ came and He made a way so that we could be reconciled back to God. Aren't you glad today that Jesus Christ He came to redeem us from the auction block of sin? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to restore what the devil stole from God and now we have been brought back into a relationship with God? We don't have to wait until we die to meet God. We don't have to wait until we die to talk with God. We don't have to wait until we die to fellowship with God. We can walk with God now. Just the other day, a group of us went to visit Miss Francie and uh, we were there and we began to sing songs and to worship in her home and we shared some Bible verses and shared some testimonies and shared a time of prayer. And we had a sweet time of fellowship just meeting with Miss Francie. And by the way, she loves all of you and she misses you and she needs you to pray that she gets the strength and the health to return back to church. And as we were there, there was a particular song that was requested. It was called in the garden. What a blessing that song is. And that song, it gives a picture of uh, walking with God and meeting with God in the early morning, meeting with God in the garden and how we can walk with God on this earth. Listen, brother and sister, Enoch, he is a picture of the church and their walk with God on planet 
earth. Let me give you a few things about walking with God as a believer. It's found in Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 24. I want you to see what Jesus told those that wanted to follow him, those that wanted to walk with Jesus, those that wanted a relationship with Jesus. Notice what he says in verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, if you want to walk with God, we play a part in that. It doesn't just happen by accident. It doesn't just happen by a mistake. Nobody falls into a walk with God. There are three things that Jesus teaches His disciples that must take place if we are going to walk with God while we live in this world. First of all, Jesus says that we must deny ourselves. He says that we must deny himself. This means to lay aside our own will to do his will. Did you know that we cannot walk with God in this world unless we're putting his will above our own will? In other words, if I'm living life by my own will, then I'm not walking with God. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter number 22 and verse 42. He says, saying, Father... If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus, he demonstrates that if we're going to walk with God, we must deny ourselves. We must put our will not in the passenger seat. We don't need to put our will in the back seat. We need to tie our will up and put it in the trunk. Amen? And let Jesus be the pilot of our life. God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my ideas. He doesn't need my influence or my prodding. He wants me to surrender my will and deny myself so that I can walk with Him. Not only do we need to deny ourselves, but we must die to ourselves. He says in Matthew 16, 24, let him deny himself and take up his cross. See, the cross is an instrument of death. A cross is a death moment in our lives. Listen, if we are going to walk with Jesus, we must die. Now let me tell you something about this spiritual dying, this type of dying. Uh, listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 7. Romans 6 and verse 7 says this, For he that is dead is freed from sin. I want you to know this. When we die to self, that means we die to the power of sin to rule and reign over our lives. Listen, if I'm mastered and controlled by sin, it's impossible for me to walk with God in a wicked world. Listen, we come to the cross and we die. Paul said it this way, I die daily. Every day we have to recognize that we are dead to sin and alive to God. So we see here we must lay our will aside. 
We must turn from sin in our life to walk with God. I want you to see thirdly, he says here, and follow me. We must devote ourselves. You know, if we are going to walk with God, it cannot be a half-hearted commitment. It can't be one leg in and one leg out. It can't be halfway in or halfway out. I was sharing just the other day with someone and uh, Paul told Agrippa and Festus the gospel. And King Agrippa said, Paul, 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 thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. May I just say this, almost in is all the way out. You can't almost walk with God. You can't walk with God on a part-time basis. Almost does not count. I remember some years ago, there was a young man on our baseball team. He was kind of a cocky guy. He was kind of an arrogant guy. He thought maybe he hung the moon and created baseball. And one day I was playing third base and we were taking batting practice and he hit the longest ball I've ever seen anyone in high school. He hit this thing. It was a rocket. It took off out and man, it was gone. It was see you later. And man, he was bragging. He was boasting about it. Did y'all see that? My goodness. He was going all and on and on and uh, all of a sudden coach said hey it's just a long strike see it was a foul ball he said but coach it was almost fair listen almost doesn't count in baseball and almost doesn't count in walking with Jesus. You can't almost walk with Jesus. You're either all the way in or you're not in at all. Brother and sister, as children of God, we can be like Enoch. We can walk with God. Thank God that we can walk with Him. Let me give you a few statements. Let me give you a few quotes. Let me tell you what Henry Ford said. This is the creator of the Ford Motor Company. Here's what he said. Those who walk with God, always reach their destination. Listen to what Dwight L. Moody said. If I walk with the world, I can't walk with God. Listen to what R.J.C. Ryle said. He said, we want more men and women who walk with God and before God, like Enoch and Abraham. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way, smart men walk on the moon. Daring men walk on the ocean floor. But wise men walk with God. We see here that we can walk with God, church. We don't have to wait until we die. But I want to walk so close that when I breathe my last... And I wake up on the other side, sing. I want it to be like nothing ever changed. I want to walk so close. I want to get so close to Jesus and walk so close with God. And may I just say this? When I see this sin-sick world and I hear the news of our day and I see the abuse and I see the immorality and I see all the wickedness of the world, it doesn't make me doubt God. It makes me draw closer to God. It doesn't make me turn from God. It makes me turn to God. Listen, he walked with God in the world. Let me ask you this. 
Are you seeking to walk with God? I pray that you are. Number two, I want you to see this. Not only was Enoch walking with God in the world, I want you to see number two, he was taken by God from the world. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not. The Bible tells us that Enoch was walking so close with God and living so near God's home that God looked to Enoch one day in one of their walks together and said, Enoch, you know, we're a whole lot closer to my house than we are yours. Let's just go on to the other side. You know, Enoch never tasted death. He never died like a natural man. Uh, let me share with you a little more insight that we get uh, in the New Testament. Look in Hebrews 11 and verse 5. Hebrews 11 and verse number 5. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, what Enoch, what happened to Enoch by faith. Notice this, Hebrews eleven five. 5. By faith, Enoch was translated. I like that word, translated, that he should not see death. Somebody says, well, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, Enoch had to die. Listen, your Bible says that Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Why? Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Brother and sister, I'm so glad that Enoch pleased God. We see here that Enoch was translated. That's an interesting word if you study that word. It's actually a musical word. That word translated means to transpose. That word transpose means to transpose a song into a higher key. May I just say this, we're walking down here in this low world, but one day we're going to be transposed and we're going to have a new mind and we're going to have a higher body and we're going to have a pure heart. One day God is going to translate us. One day God is going to transpose us to a higher place and a higher key. One day God is going to either take me by the grave or he's going to take me at the rapture of the church. Here's how the New Testament says it. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have never taken time to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I have homework for you. Over the Thanksgiving holidays, I want you to take time and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 forwards and backwards. Listen to what it says, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 52. Here's what Paul says. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall 
sound. Brother and sister, may I just say this? The trumpet shall sound. The trumpet will sound. There is nothing that can stop the trumpet from sounding. It shall sound. It is a promise. You can count on God to do His part. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. We shall be translated. We shall be transposed. We shall be transformed. Another way, in other words, when the last trump of God sounds and the church is raptured out of here, we're going to get a brand new body. Amen. We're going to be receiving our glorified body. Thank God. Thank God that if Jesus hears the trumpet sound today, you and I, we shall escape death. We shall not taste death, but we shall be changed. We shall be transposed. We shall be raptured and taken by God. See, Enoch shows us an early picture of the rapture of the church. We see here that Enoch walked with God. And listen, God said, look, I want you to come on up here with me. That's what God's going to do for you and me. If we're alive long enough, we are going to be raptured out of here. Jesus is going to say, hey, we're a little closer to my house today. Why don't y'all come on up here with me? We're going to be changed in a moment. Let me give you some more New Testament about this catching away the rapture of the believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. The Bible says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16 says this, He says, um, uh, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and listen, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Then he says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Brother and sister, there is a day coming where the trumpet of God is going to sound and the church is going to be gone. Not in the blink of an eye. That's too slow in the twinkling of an eye. And he says, we'll be changed. We'll be made new. Thank God we're leaving this world. And I don't know about you, but if I had the choice to kick up six feet of dirt or leave from six feet above, I'd rather leave from six feet above. Somebody said one time, why does the dead in Christ rise first? I don't know why, but... We, 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 they need a head start. They got six more feet to go than we do. <laughs> hey, thank God one day we're leaving this world. Enoch walked with God and God took him out of this world. 
Brother and sister, we see also, let me give you just another support of this, in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 4. Now, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to look at this, but let me tell you what's happened in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. We've, we've preached through all the seven churches of Asia Minor here already uh, several years ago. Uh, we may touch on that again, but we see chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, the Spirit of God is speaking to the Apostle John, and he's dealing with the New Testament church in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Now in chapter number 4, there is a shift. There is a changing of gears, if you will. He finishes dealing with the seven churches, which were seven literal churches, but also I believe, and it's historically believed, that those seven churches represent seven different church ages from the resurrection of Jesus Christ until the rapture of the church. And we see after the Spirit of God gives the revelation to John the Revelator about the seven church ages, chapter 4, verse 1, kicks off this way. After this, very important, after the church has been dealt with, after the seven church ages, he says, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. This is going to show a picture and a proof of the rapture of the church. John said after Jesus finished with the church, I was standing and I looked to heaven and I seen a door. And Jesus says, I am the door. If any man come in by me, he'll have all that he needs. And he says, I saw a door and I heard a trump. I heard the trumpet of God. And listen what he says here, which said, come up hither. God said to Enoch, come on up here. And God's going to say to every born again believer, come on up here. And the Bible says, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. Then in chapter number five, we see a beautiful scene in heaven. Then in chapter number six marks the great tribulation through the rest of the book of the Revelation until you get to about chapter 17 area. So let me say this. We see from Enoch that he walked with God. We see that Enoch was taken by God. I want you to see, thirdly, Enoch marked the judgment of the world. Enoch walked with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enoch was taken by God. But Enoch's departure marked God's judgment on the world. Listen, thank God that Enoch didn't have to be down here to see what was about to happen in the hearts and lifestyle of those living around him. Let me just say this. We think the world is wicked now you just wait to see what the world does when the church is gone. We think the world is wicked now. 
Just wait to see what the world's like when the church doesn't have a Wednesday night prayer meeting praying for them. You think the world is bad now. You just wait until the church is removed and that evil one has free reign and the judgment and wrath of God falls on the earth. I want you to see what happens in Genesis chapter number 6, beginning in verse 1, after Enoch is taken. I need you to hear this language. And it came to pass. When men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took wives of all which they chose. Let me just give you two different ways you can apply, interpret this. I don't know the exact correct way, but I want to, neither one of these I think would be liberal or unbiblical. You could either see that the sons of uh, God um, and the daughters of men, the sons of God could be seen as the line of Seth. Seth was that child born to Adam and Eve after the murder of Abel. And Seth and his line, they called upon God and they walked with God. And it could be said that those from the line of Seth desired the daughters of Cain. The sons of God, Cain was rejected, he was cursed, the daughters of men. Some um, actually believe that it is demonic angels that desired and coveted uh, the daughters of uh, men. Um, so uh, I personally believe it's the line of Seth desiring the line of Cain. Today it would be like this, young people. You save girls dating a sinner boy. And you, and you say boys trying to date a lost girl. Amen. May I just say this? No Christian should date somebody that's lost in the world. Amen. Um, we don't believe in missionary dating. Amen. Amen, parents. <laughs> Amen, teenagers. Amen, Brother Jeff. Even though Mr. Lane's still trying to get you saved. Amen. <laughs> Notice what he goes on to say here. And the Lord said, now watch this, Enoch is gone. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. Now listen to what happened here. Thank God that Enoch didn't have to be on earth to see all this. Thank God. Listen, you think it's perverted and bad now. It's only going to get worse. And thank God he's going to rapture his church out of here. And it's going to spare us from having to see a lot of what's going to take place on this earth. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man's heart was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. We see here after Enoch is taken out of this earth, God now prepares to send his wrath and judgment upon earth. Listen, after God raptures us out of here, it is a token and a sign and it is the beginning of God's wrath being poured out upon this earth. Listen, the Bible tells us that when Enoch left with God, it was the beginning of the end of man as we know him. God was sending a water judgment to rid the earth of sin through the death of all things. So we see in Revelation chapter number 4 is the rapture of the church. Chapter number 5 is a beautiful scene in heaven. Chapter 6 begins the judgment of God. So, brother and sister, when the church is raptured out of here, it is the beginning of sorrows. It is the beginning of Jacob's trouble. It is the, the beginning of seven years of great tribulation like the earth has never seen. We see in Enoch's life, he walked with God, and at the right time, God took him. And after God took them, he sent judgment upon the earth. Uh, let me share with you a verse of scripture just to close up here, our time together. Um, I look forward to the rapture of the church, but also it grieves me at the thought of the church being raptured out of here. What's going to happen to those left behind? It grieves me. It's a day of rejoicing for the church, but a day of trouble for those left on earth. Uh, so we see here that we're, we're walking with God today, church. Walk with God today. Walk with God tomorrow. Keep walking with God until you hear the trump of God. And He's going to translate us, change us, transpose us. Don't worry. You're not going to get left behind if you're saved. Amen? Amen. You don't have to be at church to get raptured. You don't have to be, you can be at work. You can be scuba diving. You can be water skiing. You can be mountain climbing. You can be cave diving. You can be uh, watching Jeopardy. It doesn't matter if you're saved. When the trump of God sounds, we're leaving this world. Amen? But I want you to see after the rapture of the church enters a time of great tribulation like the world has never seen. And after this time of great tribulation will be the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you two verses out of Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 and verse 30. Matthew 24, verse 29 and verse number 30. The Bible says immediately after the tribulation of those days, 
This is after those seven years of great tribulation. We're gone. We've been transposed, translated, raptured, caught away, changed. The sun shall be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. And the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then, and only then, shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You know, there's some that don't believe in a rapture of the church. This text I just read to you proves that there is a rapture of the church. It says that all the tribes will mourn. They'll mourn when they see the Lord coming. Brother and sister, when the church is raptured away from here, no lost person is going to see Jesus. The church is just going to be gone. We're going to be gone. So listen, Enoch, he is an Old Testament picture. He is an Old Testament model, a foreshadowing of what happens to the church. We walk with God. We're translated out of here to be with God. And then God pours out His vows and His seals and His wrath and judgment upon the earth. And then after that, Jesus Christ comes back and he begins to set up his reign for a thousand years. Church, these kind of things we need to be reminded of, all right? Uh, So uh, the next bit of prophecy to be fulfilled in the church and in God's timetable is the rapture of the church. That's the next bit of God's prophecy. Um, Don't be looking for the reconstruction of the temple. Look for the rapture of the church. Don't be looking for the mark of the beast. Be looking for the rapture of the church. So that is the next event if we don't die. That's the next event. There's two events waiting, me and you. The grave or the rapture. Amen. And so thank God for that. Church, what a blessing it's been to be in God's house today. Amen.